Hello, my name is Juliana Estrada. I am a second year student at Western Washington University studying special education and elementary education at Woodring. Being at Western has changed my perception regarding education and privileges I have had versus what other people do not and did not have, including access to AP classes, technology, a library, and more. In high school, I realized that my community was heavily divided between the traditional rural logging community it was and a new place where families of Microsoft and Amazon employees were moving to since Seattle and Bellevue were so expensive. We are the last stop before going over Snoqualmie Pass and we are so small that we only have one high school. But majority of the students come from families that are wealthy and live in houses bordering the recently built country club and golf courses. Typically, their moms didn't work and the dads commuted to Bellevue in Seattle every morning, and for that I always felt a bit isolated coming from a family that had both parents working and making a combined income of less than 80000 to support five people in an area that was getting more and more costly due to the new families moving in and an increased cost of living in the state in general. I was often one of very few students of color and one of very few students who had to ask for fee, wa fee waivers for field trips and class fees. I didn't have a car either and was the only junior and then senior on the bus rides to and from school. But at the time, and still today, I knew I was fortunate to use the laptops, 3D printers, cameras, and more that were being paid for by people in my community and grants from the state I wished more of my peers felt that way as well and understood how well we had it in that school district. I didn't have a struggle like the students from University Heights in the NPR podcast, and for that I am lucky and wish to be an educator who can advocate for students and other teachers in schools that have little to no access to such things and funding. After listening to the NPR podcast Three Miles, I am more aware of underfunding and the inequities tied to it. The podcast was about an underfunded public school in the poorest congressional district in the United States and how it was three miles from a private school costing students thousands and thousands of dollars to attend with a great amount of access to privileged things like better curriculum and materials, better variety in classes, and access to college-level classes like IB or AP courses, smaller classroom sizes, and more. The public school teachers plan to link the public school students with their private school students at the school three miles away. This led to the public school students to realize what they do not have and seeing others receive these things so freely and without much awareness. So as I listened to the podcast, <clears throat> I had no idea how schools received funding, how much, if it was same across all districts, if it was same in states, etc. So I did some digging. And in the United States, public schools receive funding through multiple groups in different ways, locally, federally, and through the state. In the state of Washington, for example, state funding provides the most funding at about 70% of the total funding a district gets. Each state has a different amount that they spend on each student, and this is referred to as per pupil spending. As stated in a research synthesis slash unequal school funding in the United States by Bruce J. Biddle and David C. Berliner, close to 50% of the funding for U.S. public schools 
is provided through local taxes generating large differences in funding between wealthy and impoverished communities. Yuba District, where it's primarily wealthy families and people make a higher income than average, then typically those districts will have more money and more access to things like technology and materials. Adding on to this, I also found out that it really just comes down to each individual school within a district, and I found that really surprising. While reading the same article that I had mentioned, I found that schools within a given district or classrooms within a specific school may also experience differences in funding. And this is due to disadvantaged students being advocated for less than other students and other reasons. So there's a lot of inequality on top of inequities going on in these schools. From Poor Schools or Poor Kids by Joe Williams and Pedro Naguera, poverty doesn't cause academic failure, but it is a factor that profoundly influences the character of schools and student performance in multiple ways, such as the per-pupil spending and how it affects three things, the quality of facilities, availability, and as well as availability of learning materials and the ability of schools to attract and retain highly qualified personnel, as well as non-academic needs such as social, emotional, and psychological health, which are not often met in these schools but highly affect learning. And lastly, schools where there is a high number of children in poverty frequently lack the resources to meet their academic and social needs. Obviously, the disproportion between underfunded and well-funded schools is something that people are aware of in this country. And if people weren't aware of it, then why would they be donating money and grants to better off schools and districts? Thinking about why the disproportion continues to happen, I found that a major cause is individualism. This is the belief that success and failure result mainly from individual effort rather than social circumstances. I find it to be an incredibly inappropriate belief and selfish way of thinking. I believe that any parent wants the best education for their child, and if they could have them attend a school where funding isn't an issue and more advantages and opportunities are present, then they would. University Heights mentioned in the podcast that it was a school where students were predominantly people of color. Thinking about the inequities and major disparity between both types of schools and thinking about the effects, I researched and I realized that these schools with less funding, little to no funding, and, you know, worn out textbooks, um, less equipment in science labs, um, teachers that aren't as qualified or have little to no experience entering in these schools and teaching. These schools may also and probably do not have as much resources, materials, and support for students with disabilities. And as someone going into special education, I find it important to advocate for these underfunded schools and students with disabilities in all schools, really, because it's such an overlooked group. 
I also thought of how I'm learning about students who are non-native English speakers, who are immigrants, who are children of immigrants, um, and being raised in poverty. And these culturally and linguistically diverse students who have different backgrounds than their, you know, white middle-class peers, they have the same right for an education. Every child deserves to learn. Every child deserves a good education. I feel like we all can, we all can agree on that. But these culturally and linguistically diverse learners who make up majority of these towns and districts where the students are primarily in poverty, nothing is being done. Very little is being done. And it's very concerning as a student who's in college just getting ready to go teach. I already want the best for my future students. And that's why I'm so passionate about this issue. Because it's an obvious issue, like I said earlier. It's obvious, it's blatantly obvious, and yet nothing is really being done. Everyone just kind of keeps talking about it. Other people blame it on individualism. Oh, it's the parents' fault. It's the fault that they got themselves in poverty. It's their fault that they got themselves into it and their kids. I honestly don't really know what can be done, but I just feel a lot of responsibility when I become a teacher to do something. And I'm very fortunate to be where I am studying all this, even in the middle of a pandemic, where I'm sitting in my childhood bedroom at a desk that I bought off the IKEA website a year ago. I'm lucky enough to be on a computer that I own myself, that I don't have to share. I have high-speed internet, and I'm able to pay tuition, and I'm able to access a four-year university. But there's children and other students out there who don't get that. Again, my name is Juliana Estrada. I'm studying at Western Washington University. And I will be a special education teacher. Maybe I'll also be an elementary school teacher at one point. Either way, I'm going to be a teacher. And being a teacher, it also comes with being an advocate and being an ally, being a supporter, being a friend a role model, and other labels. I want my students and other students to have the same opportunities in school and in life. And I'm not even graduated. This project and the podcast I listen to and all these articles I've read and cited and 
I'm very lucky to sum it up <laughs> in that I'm very aware of how good I have it, how good people have it, and how hard others have to work to get even a little bit closer to where I had it in high school and in elementary school and in middle school. Education is not something to be taken for granted. And as we continue going through this 21st century where technology is only going to get better and better and money is continuously going to be a big factor in everything, I think, I know that we should pay more attention to educational inequity and students of color and culturally and linguistically diverse learners. 